for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. like to give Mel a very deep thank you for stealing half my sermon, so thank you for that. <laughs> but it's good to know that, uh, good to have that confirmation really, isn't it? I heard a story a little time back about a Bible college setting and they were having the morning chapel service and they'd invited a much-loved, uh, very old pastor to come and share with them during this particular time. He was well in his 80s, snowy white hair, and a great teacher of the Word of God. So they came, came along and they said to him, uh, we just want to know the secret. We want to know what's the one thing that you have learned over all of the, your years of ministry? What, what's the key they're all keen Bible college students. They're all keen to become pastors and they, they just want to know what's, what's the good oil. So the old pastor, kind of a little bit stooped, comes up to the pulpit and he looks at them and he says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's pretty good, isn't it? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, I'm not yet quite white of hair, not quite stooped, not quite in my 80s, although this year brings it a year closer. Which is a, it's okay, same thing's happening to you. And this year, Jackie and I have two big celebrations. Uh, next Saturday, we'll have been married for 56 years. Um, and thank you for the applause because I did remember that's good Um, but also in August we'll be celebrating 54 years uh, when a little CRC church up in Berry we gave our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and it all changed everything changed So I guess I want to share with you, you haven't asked me the question, what's the one secret, but I want to share with you the one thing that I've learned over all of those years that I think is foundational, it is is the key, it is is what we need to help us to live a fruitful and successful life. So I just want to start off before I get to that topic, I want to pray a prayer for you this morning. Uh, which is Paul's prayer in uh, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. I just want to read it out to you, uh, because I find his prayers are probably a lot better than mine. And he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not uh, ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience. How many of you know that being a Christian you need endurance and patience? (laughs) Everything changes, but not at once. (laughs) Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think that just frames up everything that that God has for us. He prays that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of this new life that we've received in Christ and bearing fruit and being fully pleasing to him in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Is that is that your desire? I hope it is. That, you know, it's not all finished. We, we haven't, uh, we haven't uh, come to the end of our life. We haven't come to the end of our walk. With Christ, there's still more. There's still more to know. There's still more to understand. There's still more ministry for us. There's still more work for us to do. But the focus is on him who has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And we all of us desperately need to be filled with the knowledge of his will. We need spiritual wisdom and understanding to be able to live this Christian life, to be fruitful, to have the power for endurance and patience. And this is why my topic today, I think, is so important. So I want to talk to you today about the new creation rule, the new creation rule. You see, in the early church, they had three enemies. Firstly, there was the Roman Empire. There was the political power system that persecuted the church. You know about that. But one of the things that surprises me, persecution also came from the Jews. And I, 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 what's wrong with these people? I mean, here is Christ who has risen from the dead. And yet, and of course, many Jews were saved, thank God. But many of them, particularly those in the leadership and the hierarchical structure, they persecuted the church, uh, executed them, killed them. And uh, so the Jews were one of the great enemies. And then a little later in church history, there was another group that rose up uh, called the Gnostics. Have Have you heard of that word? You may have heard of agnostic. And uh, the word Gnostic uh, means knowledge. And I'll tell you a little bit about that group. So these three pressures were on the early church um, all all over the world. But there's a problem. Um, This was the persecution, or part of it, from the Jews. And it says, some of the men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses... You cannot be saved. So I've just put a little note there. This is not in the scripture, but my note is whenever you hear this phrase, unless you, you cannot be saved, be be very afraid. Whenever you hear an unless you, and so here in the Jewish um, custom, the situation, the religious system, it was about circumcision. So they they were coming down to these new churches saying, well, you can't really be a Christian unless you're circumcised according to the law of Moses. You have to 
And unless that happens, you're not a Christian. Now, in our day, there's plenty of unless you's. And whenever you hear an unless you, be afraid and, and don't allow yourself to be submitted to it. So, unless you wear the right clothes, unless you have the right education, unless you're the right race. I remember our founder, Pastor Leo Harris, and his wife did a, um, I think it was about nine or ten months, they did a ministry journey to the U.S., and uh, so they go into one church and Pastor Harris um, said he could just feel something wasn't quite right. There was a kind of a coolness towards him. So um, he spoke to the pastor and said, oh, the people just seem a little, little cold. What, what, have I done something wrong? And he said, well, well, brother, you are wearing a gold ring. And you know, that's really frowned upon. You know, if you're a Christian, you can't have gold. Oh, he said, that's no problem. So he took it off, put it in his pocket. And he went to the next church. He thought, oh, well, they must be like that. I better, I better not put my wedding ring on. So that, again, this kind of coldness. So he asked the pastor, what's wrong? He said, well, brother, you are married. Why haven't you got a, a gold ring? This is, this is a true story. It's a true story. Goes into the next church and uh, the same thing. The problem here was that his wife, um, Belle Harris, had a short-sleeved top on. I said, well, we can't have women showing their bare arms in church. Oh, my goodness, you know. So all these silly little unless yous. And I remember some years ago, we had a great uh, American pastor and his wife came out to share at our conference called Jerry Cook. You may have heard of him. He, he uh, wrote the book, Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness. Changed my life. Brilliant. Absolutely. He passed away a few years ago. And uh, we were just chatting about this, having lunch one day. And he said, yes. He said, wherever my wife and I go, we have to find out what the local sins are first so that we don't offend anybody. <laughs> well... But, you know, we, could, we can laugh about it, but they're really serious things. So unless you perform, unless you do this, unless you uh, abstain from this, and unless you don't do that, then you can't be a Christian. In Pentecost, we, of course, over the years, we've had lots of these things come up. How many of you heard, unless you speak in tongues, you can't be a Christian? Have you heard that? It's not true. You're not a Christian whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. You're a Christian because you've accepted Christ as your saviour. Now, I think you should speak in tongues. I, I, I believe in that wonderful gift with all my heart. I teach about it, I encourage people, I pray for people. But that you're not a Christian whether you speak in tongues or not. You're a Christian because Jesus is your saviour. So we've got to watch out um, uh, for these unless yous. And so Paul addresses this in Galatians. And he says, it's, it's, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, but only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." 
And, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul said, look, it's not about these Jewish customs. It's not about the Jewish law. It's not about the unless you. It's all about Christ. It's all about being a new creation. And he calls it the new creation rule. So those who walk by the new creation rule, peace and mercy upon them. If you're not walking by that rule, you're walking by some of the unless you rules. Um, now the word rule here means uh, a measure or, or a, um, a conduct. And it's also used for the word canon, which you may have heard of if you've been to Bible college. It's called the canon of scripture. So in the early days when the early church were wrestling with what books should be in the Bible, they used certain rules and it was called the canon. So we have the benefit today of our Bibles, so many English translations, according to the canon, according to the rules. So we really need spiritual understanding and knowledge of the new creation rule. So what then is a new creation? What is this new creation rule? So to help us understand, um, I want to go into the book of Colossians where we started with uh, Paul's prayer. And the church here was undergoing persecution from this group called the Gnostics. Now I just want to explain a little bit about them because they had a very unusual unless you. The Gnostics, the word meaning knowledge, they believed that you human beings, all of us have a divine spark inside of us. The body is inherently wicked and must be suppressed to release the divine spirit within us which comes through a special knowledge that Jesus came to give us. That's what they believed. They didn't believe in salvation. They didn't believe in sin. They believed in, uh, well, they believed in salvation or perfection because once you've, once you've got this inner light, this illumin, illumination, this special knowledge, then unless you did that, then you couldn't be saved. So that's what they taught. So Paul writes to this church at Colossae uh, to bring correction and to, and to correct that teaching. So if you have your Bible there, I'd like you to come with me to Colossians. You can either have a paper one or an electronic one, whichever, whichever suits you best. And so we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 15 uh, to verse 20. And so Paul in the book of Colossians is just exalting Christ. Just a little bit like Mel was talking. Talk, you know, it's, it's about Jesus. That's, that's what it's about. Not about rules, regulations. It was about him. So Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his Christ. So this is who Christ is. He is preeminent. He is the creator. He, he made all things. He holds everything together. You couldn't sit on that chair unless he was holding it together. Don't ask me how he does that, but that's what scripture says. He holds the whole he holds the whole thing together. Just going on, I'll bring this one up on a slide. Verse 21, it says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I think this is a really key verse for us to try and understand. Do you really know how bad you really are without Christ, before Christ? Did you know that you were absolutely corrupt? So was I. Now, when I got saved, I thought I was a pretty good sinner. I didn't you know, do too many bad things, but I did a few. Maybe you were a worse sinner than me. I don't know. But all we deserve is to die. So Christianity is not about making a new year resolution, turning over a new leaf, develop positive thinking. They're all good things. But they don't change the inner basic human nature. The only thing that can do that is what Christ has done for us. It says in this scripture, he has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order that he might present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Do you feel like that today? Do you feel holy, blameless, and above reproach? Or are you down on yourself? Do you let other people get you down? Do you let people put a few unless yous on you and you don't feel you measure up? You're just not good enough. You're just never going to make it. Well, I've got news for you. You never will make it. Apart from what he has done for us. And he did it on the cross. When Christ died for us. And we connect ourselves with him. We die with him. And we become a completely new person. Not a matter of following rules and regulations. None of, none of that. That's what these Gnostics were trying to do. They said, you have to keep holy days. You have to crush your body. You have to be severe on your body. You mustn't eat pleasant food. You mustn't enjoy life. The body's really evil. And you'll never become divine until you've crushed the body down so much that this special illumination will come and the divine in you will be released. Sounds a bit new agey, doesn't it? They were wrong. And that's why Paul writes this. And so the new creation rule is to simply believe that what Christ has done for us is enough. It's not Jesus plus. Now, are there Christian disciplines that we we need to do? Absolutely. Uh, Do we need to grow in our faith? Do we need to study? Do we need to pray? Do we need to 
understand and study scripture? Of course. Do we need to be kind to one another? Do we need to do good works? Absolutely. That's what we're here for. But we don't do any of that to get saved. We do it because we are saved. That's the new creation rule. I walk by that rule. I don't walk by the unless yous and the things that bind me up and, and, and crush me down. So Paul gives us some instruction on how to do this. Okay, being a Christian is not about New Year resolutions, willpower, positive thinking, turning over a new leaf, good works, prayer, church attendance, suppressing the flesh or setting goals. Being a Christian can only be about the death and resurrection of Christ and us. And once we've died, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a verse well known. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now some of the old linger a bit and we've got to work our way through and, and um, get the victory in those, those things. But we're not fighting for a position, we're fighting from a position. And that position is that when Jesus looks at you today, you are holy, you are blameless, and you are without reproach. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them that? Tell them. And if, you, if your wife's here or your husband's here, they need to hear that from you. <laughs> you are holy. You are blameless and you are without reproach. Why? Because you're so clever and you're so smart and you went to the right school and you drive the right car and live in the right house. No, that's all rubbish. That's all external stuff. So the new creation rule focuses on Christ within, not Christ without. It's not, a, not about doing stuff. It's about being someone. So Paul says to us here in Colossians, he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you continue... I puzzled over that for a minute. It almost sounds like an unless you, doesn't it? But I realize there's a, there's a difference between an unless you and this little phrase here, if you. So Paul gives us some really great instruction here. He says, now, if you continue. So it's sort of almost like the choice is ours. Are we going to continue to pursue the rules of the world and the religious system? Or are we going to pursue the Christ within If we continue in our faith, not in our works, but in our faith, if we continue in our faith. And I think the reason that he really puts this here is it's so easy for us to slip back to what we see and perceive with our own natural senses, isn't it? It's so easy to do that. And it's so easy to make the mistake of comparing ourselves to one another oh my gosh I wish I could just be like him or if I could just be like her they're more spiritual than me oh if I could only hear God the way you do it's not about um, 
comparing ourselves. It's not about falling back into what we perceive with natural senses. It's about continuing in faith in what he and what he has done for us. Chapter 2 and uh, verse 6 says, As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? How did you receive Christ? You received him by faith. And it'll be lovely to hear every single story. Everyone is on a journey. Everyone has a story. Uh, for, for Jackie and me, it was... Uh, 1969, I was 22, she was 21, we'd been married for two years. We had a little boy, he's sitting up the back there with his mother, not a little boy anymore. <laughs> he's, he's 55, I, I don't know. I only have one piece of advice for young parents with how to bring up children, just keep feeding them. <laughs> they, they will grow up. <laughs> Next year, we will have no children under 50. Our youngest daughter uh, turns 49 this year. She'll be 50 this next year. That's a rather depressing thought, but, but no, their mother kept feeding them, kept feeding them. <laughs> they, grew, they grew up. So how did you receive Christ? We had our story. We have our journey. What was your journey? But... Whatever it was, wherever or however you heard the gospel that made sense to you, and you responded, and you didn't come to him saying, oh, look what a good person I've been. Look at all the good works that I've done. Look at my clever job that I've got. You came to him, simple faith, and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. You died for me. Be my saviour. And in that moment... You became perfect, blameless in his sight. At that moment, that's the new creation rule. We've got to stick with that. As we, as we receive Christ, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as, we were, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And uh, Mel, I thought you did that very nicely today at communion. We just wanted to give thanks for who he is and what he has done for us. It's interesting in um, John chapter 4, you may know that story where Jesus meets that woman at the well and uh, confronts her about her life. And, and <laughs> the Bible's a funny book, isn't it? And she says, oh, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. I mean, really? And uh, she said, well... She said, we worship on this mountain, and, but you Jews say we should worship on that mountain. And he said, woman, I tell you, the time is coming and now is that we will no longer worship on that mountain or this mountain, but the Father is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So we move from the external mountains, the external places. Uh, I'm often intrigued about people who uh, want to travel to um, Jerusalem and those places around there. Christ is no more there now than he is here. For now he's universal. It's not about the places. You see um, on TV over the Christmas period they showed lots of 
churches around the world celebrating Christmas and all the stuff. And then they had one, um, uh, I think it was yesterday, I think I saw it, where they're actually in um, Jerusalem and they've turned this whole area where they believe Christ came into the world uh, into a shrine. And it's just horrible. And yet so many go there looking for an external Christ when he actually comes to live inside of us. A new creation person has a new vocabulary. Uh, When I was a young fellow being brought up in the 50s, Australia was experiencing this great wave of people coming in, a lot of refugees from World War II, and uh, the government coined a phrase in those days, and they called these folks New Australians. And it was quite a good term. Um, I didn't think much about it. I'm just a little kid at school, but, uh, but New Australians. And undoubtedly, there are people here today that have started off here as a New Australian. Uh, I had an English friend once and migrated out, and I said to him one day, I said, you th- they told you that we speak English in Australia. They told you that? He said, yes, they did. And I said, well, we don't, do we? Oh, no, he said. Right, for three months, he said, all I could understand on the board in the cafe was cheese and gherkin. He said, I'd have cheese and gherkin sandwiches for lunch for three months because I just <laughs> didn't understand all the other stuff. So the new Australians come in, and yes, they may have that English in the old country, Now they've got to learn the Australian version of English. And right or wrong, it's probably wrong, but it's it's a bit different, isn't it? It's a bit different. And uh, I haven't got time to go into all of that. but, But just to say a new creation person, coming from the old person to the new person, we need to develop new vocabulary. We need to... Um, not only learn what the Bible says about us, but we need to just watch some of the Christianese that comes up. Uh, my dear old dad back in the late 70s and my mum made a decision for Christ and they joined the local church up in Mackay in Queensland where they lived. And so they reached a point in the life of the church where they're going to have their first baptism service down in the sea. So the pastor's wife happened to be preaching that day and she was talking about this great baptism and how they're going to bury the old man and be raised up in newness of life. And my dad, I know you'll laugh, my dad actually believed they were going to dig a hole in the sand and bury him. And if that's what they wanted to do, he would have been happy to do it because he wanted to be as much of God as, as he could. So we've got, to be watched, we've got to watch the language a bit, haven't we? <laughs> but let me give you some, um, some new words. This is what we need to say about ourselves. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, I'm not a very good Christian. I've got news for you. You can't be a good Christian. You can't be a bad Christian. The two biblical words are mature and immature. So yes, we may be immature, but we're on the journey to maturity but not good or bad. So here are some of the new words for us. First of all, we are blessed in Christ. We are chosen. We are holy, blameless. I already mentioned that. We've been predestined. We've been adopted. 
we're redeemed, forgiven, lavished with his grace, and we actually have his will and purpose. We have an inheritance because we are joint heirs with Christ. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means our salvation is fixed and firm, can't be changed. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been transferred, we've read it today, from darkness to light. We have been reconciled to God and we have the mind of Christ. We need to say these things about ourselves. We need to speak God's words over our lives and live our lives according to the new creation rule. Have you ever seen that, that poem, uh, Footsteps? How many of you know that? And it's, I'm, I'm really going to offend you now because I think it's a lot of rubbish. It's very pious, it's very sweet, very nice. And it talks about a person walking on the beach and there's just one set of footsteps. And, um, sorry, then it becomes two steps of footsteps. And the poem goes on and said, well, the second set of footsteps is when the going got tough and Christ was walking with you. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Does he walk with us? Absolutely. Does he help us in times of need? Sure does. In fact, my, I'm not a very good prayer, but my constant prayer is just four, four letters. Help! Help! Help me, Lord! There can only ever be one set of footsteps in the stand. That's yours. Jesus doesn't come and walk alongside you. He actually walks inside of you, with you. Sorry if you like that poem, but that's, it's not actually, actually an accurate poem. So we have to be a little bit careful about these words and terms and vocabulary that we use. The question to ask ourselves, not what would Jesus do, but what would a new creation person do? In this situation, I'm a new creation. So, what? How should I behave? How should I handle this situation? That—that that is the question. Okay, so I'll leave that there with you, and let's just have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we do give you thanks for all you have done for us. We're so grateful because we could never ever do any of it ourselves. So, Lord, I thank you for making us new creations, forgiving us every sin for dying on the cross and being raised from the dead so that we, together with you, might live in newness of life. So Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to walk according to the new creation rule. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.